Welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast with me, Rue Chater. Season 2, Episode 10 with Noé Font. So this week I've got an episode with a young lad called Noé. Um, he's definitely the youngest guest I've ever had on the podcast and I wouldn't normally go out of my way to speak to the younger generation. That's not an ageist thing. I just think sometimes some of the most interesting stories come from people who've been around the sun a few more times than some of us. And Noe's an interesting character. He kind of burst onto the scene a good few years ago, um, initially as a freestyle kite surfer, and then moved into the park riding scene and was hanging out with the likes of Craig Cunningham um, and Colleen Carroll and some of the Duotone crew. He's a pro rider for Duotone, but more than that, he's an incredibly talented filmmaker. Um, he actually, a few years ago, put together one of the first feature-length kitesurfing movies that the sport's seen in a long time, uh, called The Bubble, which you can check out online, I believe, these days. If you haven't got a copy, then go and watch it. It's an interesting insight into the life of pro riders with a bit of a tongue-in-cheek take on some of the ridiculousness that goes with it, I guess. And Noe's a really interesting character. He's so young. Yet when you meet him, you kind of think he's a 35-year-old guy because of the way he carries himself and the way he talks. And also the peers that he hangs out with um, are considerably older than him too. So it's easy sometimes to just forget that he's actually still just a kid, essentially. Um, but it's great to see someone who's looked up to his mentors and followed in their footsteps and is just a really genuine, rounded, down-to-earth guy with an incredible amount of talent on the ocean um, he surfs as well to a pretty high standard and his filmmaking is some of the best around uh, and you can tell that from the way that he's had the support from Duotone with his movies and some of the things that he's created so without getting into far too much chat from me this time around let's just get into this week's episode with Noé Font so this afternoon, I'm sat with a young gentleman by the name of Noé Font, um, who originates from España, and he's burst onto the kiteboarding scene. He's still quite a young rider, but he's exceedingly talented, and his career, which has been rather short so far, I guess, has been a bit star-studded in terms of what he's done and the things he's achieved, and I thought he'd be an interesting person to chat to. Um, you might have heard of him from the movie called The Bubble, which was released last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was last year, wasn't it? I'm trying to remember. Was it the year before? No, I think it was last year. Uh, no, maybe it was the year before. It was. It was the year before. At the end of... End of 2017. Yes. In like October time, like quite late. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. So it was released back then and it was kind of at the time the first full-length kiteboarding movie that we'd seen for a while. So, you know, Noe undertook that project and sold it to do a tone as something he wanted to work on, and then he came good, and that's quite an impressive move for someone of such young stature, I yeah. think, anyway. So, <laughs> Noe, first question before we get on to that. How did you get into water sports? Because I know you surf quite a bit as well, don't you? So Yeah, I think... Uh... Well, water sports, kiting, I, I got into kiting first when I was like eight years old because of my dad. He He's always been into like the cool extreme sports, like whatever was going on at the time. He like started hang gliding when he was 17. 
Oh, wow. And then did that for his whole life. And then kiting came along and obviously a lot of friends and people from that scene like got into it. So he kind of like jumped on that boat and got into kiting and then started a little kite school at, in my hometown. Run that for three or four years. But at the time there were so many like restrictions at the beach and stuff and it didn't really work out. Where's but, home for you? Uh, my town's called Empuria Brava, like north of Barcelona in the okay. Costa Brava. Yeah, and yeah, so that didn't really work out, but he still had all the gear from the kite school in the shop. So I like started flying little trainer kites, maybe when I was like five or six, but didn't really like go through with it until like eight or nine years old. And the wind, the wind's good at home, but it's not consistent. So. It took me like a year to like, from the day I went in the water until I could go up wind. Okay. You know? So it was like a really long learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, I still remember the day I first went up wind and I was like, I'm one of the boys, you know, like, <laughs> with all the local people in, in my spot. Yeah. And you got it. Is it quite a popular spot for kiteboarding where you're from? Uh, Yes, because it's still very restricted, like in the summer and stuff. So people from like Barcelona area drive up to your spot, up to where we live, and we get better wind. And it's in a bay, so you get different directions. And yeah, and I, I mean, I live like an hour away from Locat. Yep. So with the Tramontana wind, we just drive up there. So it. it you have options and you can pretty much kite whatever you want. Yeah, so you can always kind of... Yeah, if you're willing to drive, you could probably kite every day in like a two, three hour radius. Radius, But obviously at nine years old, you can't really <laughs> drive anywhere. <laughs> you have to go where your dad's taking yeah, you. Yeah. And did you, um, you know, because your sister kites as well, doesn't she? Yeah, she, she really took a long time to learn. In, in the <laughs> beginning, I remember just going kiting and she, she just didn't care yeah. at all. And then for a while she kind of like tried it, but then just didn't really like it. She hated the jellyfish. Like in my home spot, we get tons of jellyfish in the summer. Like the big ones that don't really like do anything, but she just hated it. Float around looking nasty. And then, I don't know, she just like learned one summer and then like got super into it. And now she's like fully into it, trying to like compete and make it a thing as well. Yeah, so. she's quite competitive. When did you start realizing, like when did it go from something fun that you wanted to do because your dad did it into like, oh, I'm, I've got some skills at this, I could maybe start doing some competitions and stuff like that? Uh, I don't think I, I ever like thought, oh, I want, I think I, it just went from like, kiting school to like, me, like not assuming I would, I, I've kind of like always known that I've wanted to do this like ever since I started and it was like in my head like an obvious thing like yeah of course I'm gonna like do this and compete and I don't know if I'm gonna be good or not or what I'm gonna do but I'll, that's my goal I'll, that's what I'm gonna do like there's no doubt like I never really like had that doubt I did not know how I was gonna do it but you know that was like always a thing and I remember like starting to think, oh, like, how could I go into, like, the Spanish nationals? Like, what is it about? How, what tricks do I need to, like, go there? You know, like, at that point, I didn't know how 
small kiting was and how like you know really it doesn't really matter at like a national <laughs> level you don't have to like go through the ranks to like get to you can basically enter a Just world tour up. event and no one knows who you are right yeah so, yeah i don't know it just it just kind of happened i think i was at i was uh on like a weekend trip with my family and there was like a comp going on just like a local event and i entered and like i think i did like an s band and got second <laughs> and i was like oh this is cool like yeah i'm gonna do it again and then just went to like the junior um Europeans in France that they've been running for like 20 years or something like Yuri and Gisela and Kevin they all used to go there when yep, they were younger come up and through those events every, I feel like everyone in kiting or like in the European scene's gone through that event and did that and then just Spanish nationals and like just slowly like started working your way up yeah and what sort of age were you when you were starting to you know do well at the Spanish nationals and get on podiums well the thing was because there were the like kids junior and like like uh, over 18 disciplines for some reason I was like two years younger than Liam and Jerome and those guys so I would always be in the discipline under like throughout all of the junior stages so I would hang out with them and kind of like be at the same level at the time and then but go and compete I would have to compete against the younger so I, it was like way easier for me than it was for for them you know so yeah. I kind of like had it easy that way but I mean <laughs> they have to draw the line at some <laughs> age right so I just got lucky with at that at some point and, you've got to yeah. be decided that you're only 14 so you're in the 14 age yeah, category yeah, exactly. rather than the 16 age category totally and is it because Spain's quite a big country and obviously you've got, you know, Tarifa down in the south, which is such a, a popular spot for kiting and where most people think about it. Yeah. And your spot is like way up in the northeast on the Mediterranean yeah. side. Was there anyone at your spot that you could look up to and, and sort of see what moves were possible with kiting and things like that? Or did you have to kind of watch videos and mm. travel to kind of get that inspiration? Obviously, you get most of your inspiration from videos like Aaron and like all of those guys back in the day but there were a few like good like OG riders in my home spot that could like do some handle passes and stuff but from where from my area you, at the time you had like I don't know if you remember Patrick Blank yeah he still kind of rides a little bit but used to ride for Ozone and then David Tony Juan yeah he's been um, all over the place with brands but and then we had like a little bit of a tight crew that would you know kite together and kind of like drive to France if we needed to for a few sessions or like try to travel together a little bit and with them it, it just kind of like how it all started and you know we're all at the same level and just kited just as much and I don't know learn the basics and I still like when I go home like try to link up with them and session if Hang we can. Hang out and yeah, yeah totally. And did you get down to Tarifa quite a bit as well? Like, did you sort of go and mm. spend summers there or were you just not really bothered by that scene? Uh, not really, like, well, first of all, because at that age, it's either you go with your family or you don't go. And like, I don't know, my 
parents didn't really like have the money to like go on trips like that or spend money like that way especially when you've got a great beach at home yeah well yeah <laughs> no but if they would have had the money we would have totally done that um but yeah all of those some of my group some of my friends from that group started going to brazil and like the christmas holidays and from school and like stuff like that and one year i like got invited by one of them to like come and that was like the first year i ever went to brazil and like went out there learned so many new tricks came back and then that was like the year that i like went into the junior like events and just like won them all and got like myself on the map and then at the time best i was writing for best and they like you know saw the potential and whatnot and gave me like a proper deal proper and a contract deal and, and stuff and just like they say you know took the ball and run with when, it start running with it yeah how old were you at that stage like when you did your first trip to brazil uh 13 i think 13 or 14 that's pretty yeah. crazy yeah so i went there with my friend and his dad who chaperone like, <laughs> my friend's dad has been there maybe like 30 times at this point or something so he knows like all this at the time he knew all the spots and stuff and yeah just kind of like got lucky with that i guess and that was a bit of like the little kickstart that you kick, needed. Yeah. What do you think is so good about Brazil that enables riders to go there and transform so much? Well, you just like, you kite just as much, or like for me, I probably kited just as much in the past, like in the six months prior to that than in those three weeks that I went there for, you know, because you just like wake up and Come. kite whenever you want and just that like consistency that you get. And when you're like, starting to learn the basic tricks it really helps to like find your like muscle memory and where you want to be and like you know just, just get that little over and over yeah, and yeah. over and over again now i you just like know so well where you are in the air where the kite is what you need to do and it's just like you don't need like i feel like i don't need to kite as much to like stay consistent or like do those yeah because you just basic kind of tricks, feel it but yeah and what was your sort of best result when you were competing? Obviously, well, yeah. So like after that, I like, I don't know if I, yeah, I think I had won some like Spanish nationals, but after that, I won the like junior like world championships that, luckily, were like right like next door from my hometown, like twenty <laughs> minute drive. Just you know, had the hometown advantage or whatever. I think. Yeah, won that like twice and then the European Junior Championship, so yeah. And did you ever step up to the adult world yeah, events so, or? So like the, that same year I like got a wild card to go to Fuerte and did that, but I like, I was good to be in the Junior Worlds, but not really quite there to like compete against everyone else yeah. in the like main leagues. But Best really wanted me to like push for that and compete and stuff so I like did that I did like almost the full tour for like two years and by the end of it I was kind of like oh I don't know if this is what I want to do like I was like going to events and like thinking to myself oh why am I going there if I don't have the level to like go win yeah you know like I think I like one I, I, my best result was like a fifth in Tarifa once with like 
crazy wind and I just like I remember I could do like a whole bunch of like toe side tricks before they kind of like started when they were scoring but not many people were doing them so I just did a whole bunch of toe side tricks and got fifth you know but really like with normal conditions like I didn't have the level and I was like oh like I don't really want to do this I want to like get more into like the media side of things like creating content and making movies and I started hanging out with Sam Adeski at the time and going on a few trips with him and went to like visit him in Canada once and we did like a rail project with like homemade rails and stuff and that was like my first go at like park riding with a kite and I was like oh this is pretty cool and like it lets you like free ride a lot more and like create media so started getting into that and then just takes you away from being that competition machine where you're just training to do certain tricks all the time and for a while like the whole freestyle thing's been really like stale and all about like as it started like progressing they like went from having to do as many tricks as possible to like a smaller box seven tricks and then it went down to five and I think now it's like down to four tricks and it's just like everyone's doing the same four tricks because that's how you get the points and it's all turned into this like ball of like not really getting out of the box kind of like just training those four tricks and kind of like ice skating go and do the moves I can't really do any of those tricks so I mean respect for doing those but at the same time it's you can call the tricks you're going to see before the heat even starts so yeah you know that they're going like, to go and do x y z because yeah, that's the highest scoring tricks and that then gets yeah, the results it's it gets kind of boring to like watch unless you're like baby or liam <laughs> or some, one of those guys yeah. you're super into it and yeah yeah fully but, on it and then so park ride infused probably where you know your career's gone in a big direction before we start talking about the media side of it and there's been quite a few people you know influences you've mentioned Sam Craig you know hanging out with Colleen and the Duotone crew and Aaron and those guys how did that all sort of feel you know you're obviously still quite young at the time and a lot of those guys are a fair bit older did they sort of take you under your their wing a little bit as a new protege for park riding uh yeah a little bit like I think the first time I went to the States to like fully do the whole park riding thing I think I was 16 and I went with Sam Adeski and we did like a road trip down like the east coast and then spent like two months in Hatteras just trying to like get some park sessions in and we I think we got like two days of wind in two Mm. months or like it was like so bad but yeah that that year I did like the open to like try to get into triple s but i got second and they were only letting the first person first go person in, in is the... so i like i was there and met everyone like hung out with everyone and rode with everyone but didn't get into yeah the event. didn't get into the event and yeah at the time already i had met most people like in brazil and like other places so like ever since i've been kind of like the grom of like <laughs> the crew <laughs> yeah did they ever play any tricks on you or were they all quite nice uh it's always tough being the youngest it's always like a, a topic this one because uh everybody like 
what they always say is that yeah you're like the grom but we can't really give you shit because you're not like you don't act like a grom or like you don't I don't know carry yourself as one and I'm like filming all the time and doing all this stuff so they they can't really give me shit for like not doing anything or being useless or like not knowing how to like don't know cook or something because I like I can never I can already like do all those things because I've been like kind of like on my own for like quite Such a few a years already time, so yeah. it's like yeah it's not yeah. like you're the 16 year old that's just left home or anything yeah, you're already yeah, going yeah. to Brazil when you were 13 yeah, and you exactly. know doing all this kind of stuff so yeah and yeah I, I kind of like always have something like hold back on them like huh you're, you're gonna give me shit I'm, I'm gonna keep those clips I got of you you know like, <laughs> something like that <laughs> yeah. have a bit of armory to hold over yeah, for sure and then you know park riding's changed quite a lot over the years and it's developed and it's become quite a lot bigger you know it used to be a real fringe side of the sport what do you think has driven that development in terms of it getting becoming more accepted and you know brands recognizing it as something you know you mentioned that best just wanted you to do the competition scene now you've got a brand like duotone that's quite happy for a whole bunch of riders just to do part riding um well with duotone it's always been about supporting all sides of kiteboarding and like the slogan like true kiteboarding is like that includes all Everything. kiteboarding so obviously they're going to support park riding and big air and freestyle and all the other disciplines but for park riding itself i think it's i mean it's probably grown so much because the people behind it are also so into creating media and like growing the sport that way that it just naturally like grew the park riding like side of the sport bigger but maybe also because of the cable parks being like such a big thing now and like you can pretty much go wakeboarding at the cable park and do the same thing anywhere in the world these days so yeah and then transfer that yeah, over transfer to the that kite. into kiting but it still is such a small like side of the sport and it being like fully like looked after and like pushed by riders with like like right now you got all this like the GKA running their own tour and stuff like we're still so independent doing our own thing and like we're not trying to like make it the most um, like viral commercial public um like appealing site like we're not trying to sell anything we're just like doing our own comps and events because and if you, you care to like if you care to follow park riding good like sweet if you don't there's no plenty of other things you can follow <laughs> like we're, we're not trying to make to sell out to like make become it. this massive tour or anything like it's it's whatever you know like yeah and just something in that, the end like half of the time i just feel like we go to the events and the events are just the excuse to like get together and ride and like make it like justify it to yourself but really we're all just there to like ride and have a good time and yeah it? learn new tricks and just yeah have a good time like you really see it if you go to like one of our events or like any other event it's like everyone's there for like the sessions not really for the contest yeah the scoring's just an yeah. afterthought of yeah 
it legitimises why you've all bothered to pay all the money to get there and put all the well, yeah, get together the and build it all and then yeah, you've got yeah. something you can you the know. scoring's there just to like split the money at the end you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's yeah and how was the because um, there was a new event on the tour this year the Kite Mansion Brazil how was that oh yeah yeah that, that was good like that was a step that had to happen at some point we've always because everyone's always in brazil right yeah. so it just kind of made sense i guess to put something together we always said how good it would be to have like especially a kicker in a good spot with like the best win and now we have it like it's it's gonna do so good for progression and new tricks and already with the kite there's like tricks that we're doing that wakeboarders aren't really doing because we have the kite and we can go like so much bigger without sacrificing like hard landings and stuff yeah and obviously you get the freedom of the kite and doing whatever you want around the park you know it's not like you're like doing laps in a circle or, or something so yeah like having a park in brazil is something that had to happen at some point and i'm glad it has and yeah the event was was really good and i think everyone's like looking forward to like more rails and trick new tricks next year yeah you know. and you get involved with um helping build some of these parks and putting things together as well i know you mentioned you did with sam back in the day um, but yeah yeah it's definitely like a big part of it and probably like the reason why not that many people get into park riding is because you go to build, build it, it carry it float it anchor it drag it change the angle again and again and it like it never works really but yeah like with duodone at every photo shoot like at every vegas photo shoot we're building a new feature or like trying to uh, innovate that way and also like at home i i built a kicker last year and i have it sitting there just waiting for when i'm there and there's a good wind in like one of the river mouths to, like, you can just wheel it out, it out yeah go and hit it yeah, yeah, and in Brazil, like, we build a like a twelve meter, like maybe like ten centimeter wide metal handrail, like two years ago. That is just like the hardest rail to hit ever. <laughs> but you know, we have it there and ride it sometimes. And I don't know. It's always a mission to like make it happen. You yeah. can get you can get lazy with it and just ride and like. Hatteras and Hood River where everything's it's perfect all there. and yeah. Do you prefer riding somewhere like Hatteras and or Hood River where it, it's all there and it's all perfect or do you prefer going somewhere and creating something and then hitting something that you've built? Well it, it both sides have their like um what do you call it? Like if you go to Hatteras and like have a good session, it's not as rewarding as when you like build the park yourself make it happen the wind lines up and then you like get the tricks and the clips and obviously that's a lot more rewarding but both equally it's nice like, just to rock yeah, up and yeah, yeah, like, a bunch of stuff and then depends have on a how beer. Feel, I guess, yeah. <laughs> depends on how much effort you wanted yeah, to yeah. put in and obviously you know it's touched on the filmmaking a little bit because that's you know been a huge part of your career and you mentioned earlier that you, when you were sort of thinking about the competition scene, you were a bit more interested in the media side of it. How did that come about? You know, you're obviously pretty young when that was happening, you know, 
did you have friends that were into it? Was there someone that you looked up to who did it, or was it just something that you were because you've been watching all these kite videos? Yeah, you were then like, I want to start making that. Totally. That like when I went to Brazil for the first time on that first trip, I already made like three videos from that trip with my friend. Like I had like a shitty like Canon T2i or something, and with one lens and like a metal tripod with like you know and then I had like some waterproof like knockoff GoPro like thing <laughs> and that I got given from someone and I just like made a whole bunch of videos there and it, it was always like oh I'm watching all these cool videos from like James and Aaron and like Tom and who knows you know and, and I'm like that's fucking cool I want to be that and do not do that but like I want to have my own cool videos so you know started like making them and trying to like make some edits and stuff and get some clips and it just like slowly grew into like a bigger thing and then for a while when I was like competing so much and stuff I didn't really like do it but then I like picked it up again a little bit and just yeah took it to like the next level, level yeah. so you had that sort of first impetus mm-hmm. when you were 13 yeah. going to Brazil and then competitions got in the way yeah pretty much (laughs) and with photos like I've always like shot photos of like friends and not so much action more of just like little things here and there like carrying like a little film camera around just taking photos of whatever goes on outside of the water so yeah it kind of like with traveling and kiting and stuff you're like exposed to like to so many things and cool places and people and it's cool to like you know have those like document it and take them home and then you know making a kite movie is a big job you know it's not easy a lot of people think oh making a good kite movie isn't easy (laughs) (laughs) making a kite movie is easy yeah like yeah you can you can make one that's pretty easy but making a good one is quite hard what's the process for you do you storyboard it and work out what you want to do or do you just film a bunch of clips and then work it out later uh it, it depends um with like the shorter like things that i've made like for youtube or whatever like there was always a bit of a plan or like oh a song that you had in mind or like another video that you watched like a skate video or something you're like oh I like that vibe I'm gonna like make something that looks like that or just things like that but with like the bubble that that's like the biggest most longest hard project (laughs) ever um, it kind of just like started with like oh Kiting sucks, you know, there's no movies anymore, like, what is this, someone's gonna do something, and maybe, I think we started talking about making a movie, or like a full length, a year and a half, or like two, before we even like started shooting for it, and it was always like, a subject, like, yeah, we should do it, we should do it, and you know, like, you talk about it so much, and then like, it came to the point where we were like, we should do it, we should do it, and then it lined up with like timing in the year and we're like yeah yeah we'll start shooting for a movie and then like started like writing up like an idea which was just like oh do a tone skin to support it cool i'm gonna like hit up a few of like 
my friends who are in the team let's see if they're keen and then like Craig and Colleen they were like yeah yeah cool like sweet sounds good and then Stefan and Tom and Aaron and but at the, in the beginning of it it was just like the concept was kiteboarding movie about people who have different styles done like yeah no concept yeah it was just no kiteboarding real sort of idea and then throughout the filming and the trips and stuff the concept of like the bubble and like how we live in this like kiteboarding industry pro rider bubble like came about and it like started growing and the idea started coming on how to like talk about it and you know capture this whole thing and then I remember just like coming to towards the end and like editing it and I was like oh and we could have done this but but at that time I didn't know I was gonna make and call it the bubble so like obviously we didn't film anything, film anything it. like it or... so like the more we got to the end the more things I had to film to like fill that story up and yeah it, it like snowballed into like this bigger thing and also at the time when we first started filming I know because like Craig and them told me afterwards like they were like are we really gonna let no way like do this like because I hadn't really like done anything proper yeah. until then I mean how old were you when you started the project which would have been like 2016 I guess like 17 I think that's pretty nuts isn't it yeah so 17 year old I kids. turned 18 when yeah. I was filming the bubble so you're like being given the keys to the kingdom to film yeah, do much, own big yeah. movie with all the top riders <laughs> at that age when most kids are still at school like yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was that was kind of like crazy I guess I don't know like I convinced everyone to let me do it somehow <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, rem- I think, yeah, so, like, the first trip we did, it was in Hood River, and I was, I was like, oh, we're going to start filming for this full length, and film, I, from the start, I knew I wanted to make rider parts, like, in yeah. skating, like, that was, like, set. Like the snowboard movies, you get your yeah, little Yeah, everyone works for their own part, and, you know, and I was like, I'm going to start filming Park in Hood River for Colleen, Craig, and I. But then I was like, oh, I haven't put out an edit myself for a long time. I'm just going to use all of my footage and work on an edit. And I did this, like, video called Melancholy in Cursive. Yeah. This, like, poem in the beginning and, like, I don't know, it just got all artsy and crazy. isn't it? And that kind of, like, just... Once that came out, they were like, hmm, like... That's a pretty good movie. you're not just churning out the average yeah, pilot, yeah. right? Because it was a that very was pretty good. And film. then they like from then on, they kind of like trusted me more into like Get the, the creative side of behind the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Like we started saying like, "Oh, are we gonna like premiere it or something?" Yeah, I guess we should. Like, where should we premiere it? Well, I don't know. Like the next thing you know, we have like 14 premieres and like gear giveaways. We're giving away like kites and boards and like all this stuff online at the premieres like I don't know just craziness just blew up yeah and exploded from a small idea yeah, into yeah, this yeah. massive thing at what point did Duotone get like so fully behind it because obviously they must have gone yeah we'll make a full length movie but they didn't know what the concept was because you didn't know what the concept was so 
you know, at what time did they sort of go, oh, wow, this is really big. We need to do a bunch of premieres. They watched it and they're gone. This is something that is it was, out of the park. No, no, no. Like, it was more our project supported by Duotone. Like, okay. It was, we ha- so we had, like, full control of whatever we wanted to do. And then in, from the beginning, just, like, we get support to, like, do certain video trips or certain like smaller things we just basically like collected all of those little bits of budget you know for like a certain trip or like most of the time it was me filming but sometimes we'd get Vinny or somebody to like come along and like help film film like for a week or something so they just like basically helped us with those things and then once like the movie was like happening and like a thing then it was more like Oh, what about... Because for that whole year, that's all we did. Like, yeah. Craig, Clean, Aaron, Tom, Stefan, myself. We All we did was the bubble. No one went on another film trip. No one really Released anything, anything, really, or, yeah. So, yeah, it went kind of quiet. And I guess, like, for Duotone and the guys at the office, they were kind of like, well, if we don't blow this up, we got nothing else, like, <laughs> you know. I guess, I don't really know what they thought, but, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, they've got to, like... We had quite a few, like, really good premieres and, like, good feedback and also linked up with the premieres with, like, demo tours and stuff. So, like, it gives people, like, another excuse to, like, show up at a boring demo day, you know, like... Yeah, otherwise you're going to get to see a movie as well, so... Yeah. Or, and we gave away gear, so like, what else yeah. can you ask for? Yeah, I was going to get one. Where was the, where was the biggest premiere? Uh, in Tarifo. And that was, was that... Uh, that was in, like, two... September or something. And how many people did you get along to that? I don't know, like, 700 or 800 no way. people. Yeah, like, we did it at Wet Cafe and cleared up the whole shop inside. I suppose big like, space 300 inside chairs down. And the chairs were full, and then there was, like, another, like, 300 people outside who, can, who couldn't even see the movie. But they rocked up we like. It. Linked it up with a Spain Kite League and the uh, Duotone, like, distributors meeting or something. And, like, everyone was there already. Yeah. It's not, it's not like they came for our movie. <laughs> <you know? laughs> they were kind of like, everyone was in town, so everyone rocked up. Yeah, but, but they've still got to make the effort to go out to work yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and watch the film, right? So Yeah, it was pretty good, that one. And then I did one in my hometown, too, where we set up, like, a a big screen and projector and stuff in this, like, big, like park with like a tent and stuff and like we had maybe something like 300 or 400 people so that was pretty good too and then yeah did a whole uh, road trip down the east coast of australia and did like four premieres there with like demo tour sort of setup. so yeah it was pretty good pretty good your um your parents must have been pretty proud when they saw the movie and Premiere yeah. in your hometown in a big tent. That's got to be... Yeah. I don't, I don't quite know. Quite interesting really ask them. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad helped me out a lot um, when I was, like, finishing the edit at home and stuff, like, organizing. We did a whole... We did, like, hard copies and posters and, like, little uh, USB drives with a movie in it and stuff like that. So, like, all that merch side of things, he kind of, like, Helped out with. Helped out and, like, made calls and found out. 
And how long was the edit? Because you spent the best part of a year filming it. How long did it take to put it all together? Because you must end up with hours and hours and hours of clips and you've got to sync through it all. Were you kind of trimming uh, stuff as you went yeah. and working no, on like, sections as you went? I started, so we started filming in like August 2015 or I don't know which year it was, 16, I don't know. We started filming in August and then released it the next, or started doing the premieres the next September. Okay. But around like March or something, I already started like working on it, picking music and like cutting certain sections and like having clips and like each person's section had like a theme or an idea and like I already knew like what I needed and what I didn't and if I had the footage that I needed for a certain section, I would like edit it up. So I was still filming and I already had some parts edited. Yeah. But once I was like wrapped up with filming and like done with it, I had like, I think I was at home for like two months, just like solid. Yeah. And the last three weeks were just like mental. Like <laughs> I remember I released the trailer and then the first premiere was in Hood River, like two weeks later and those two weeks were just like all day all night getting Working it done it. and at one point I was during those two weeks I was like we have this like foil free ride like Caribbean section that wasn't really anyone's it was just like a trip and I was doubting if I should like continue and finish that or just cut that cut that and you know finish the the movie and but no in the end I like pulled it off and I like, managed to make in. it happen yeah did you realize before you said oh let's make a full-length movie how much work it would be because it's compared to making a three-minute web clip which is what most people do these days it's got to be you know a monumental difference in terms of the task at any point from when I decided I was gonna do it until I premiered it I thought to myself this sucks, I have too much work. At any point, I just like went and did it. Like, I knew I was gonna get as busy as I wanted it to be, and I could work on each part or in each minute as much as I wanted to. Like, there were, first we set a deadline for like spring, <laughs> and the movie premiered in September. Yeah. So we're like, set a deadline, pushed it set another one and pushed it again and then in the end we're like no this is it Bang. yeah because also with like traveling and going on like other comps and photo shoots you it's hard to like you know sit on the computer and edit keep and, that focus yeah. yeah but yeah definitely the hardest part was getting back to that after premiering it and like being done with it and making like the next video like i i went to australia for those premieres and then stayed for like the rest of the winter and like I was trying to get clips and like work on something but I was just having such a hard time. No like, motivation. Yeah. Drained. I had motivation to kite but not to film and edit. To and... film like I ended up getting some clips and like working on a bit of an edit that I never put out because I just hated it. <laughs> yeah seriously it's still like sitting on a hard drive somewhere. Kind of almost ruined yeah, you. And only just released like my my first video after the bubble like a year after the bubble basically went a year without really doing working anything. on any anything serious and just having a bit of downtime yeah yeah 
But I guess if you spent so long filming and editing, and you, you're not probably weren't kiting that much in that time. No. Like I remember you were still doing the kite park league, and your results weren't. You know, you weren't jumping on podiums and stuff like that because you were so busy doing everything else. So you kind of probably it, didn't. Honestly, get it was surprising. Like I did not ride or practice at all for any events, and I think I I blew it at Triple S because of some like just I just got a zero in one of the kickers but like went to Palawan in the Philippines and we were like in the middle of filming and just like showed up I was here in Cape Town flew to the Philippines the day before the event just showed up and got like third in the event and I was like <laughs> fuck like, oh that's I right know, still I don't got know it. I have to practice like, <laughs> went to Triple S got like eighth or something and then in Hood River I got third again and I was like Damn. And now this right. year, I was like, I wasn't really like practicing that much either, but I was getting way more riding in and had the same results. I was like, damn. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> but I mean, everyone's riding so good at these days. That it just kind of like, you depend on the best, not riding the best for you to win. Yeah. Like, that's how it is. Because they've stepped up so much. Yeah, right? otherwise it's just anyone's anyone could win like when everyone rides their best well there's like five people who could take it down yeah it's crazy <laughs> and so you know the bubble been and gone you've learned a lot from it obviously there was quite an interesting sort of vibe to it where it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek and a bit of your humor coming through in certain sections you know like his Craig, he loves carving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, things like that, and there was certainly a little bit of your personality that came across. Um, is it something that you'd undertake again, doing a full-length movie? If someone came up to you and said, "Yeah, yeah, Let's definitely," do another one? I think, like, I think full-length movies like that come when they, like, when they need to, or like when the time's right, it happens. Otherwise, it doesn't. Like, and then. I mean, if not with just like Duotone, I think that the next thing that I'd like to do is, you know, get a few different riders from different brands together and just like focus on one thing and maybe like, I don't know, like a more like park specific full length or also like freestyle and other stuff. But like, I like working and filming and like doing the stuff that I'm like behind attracted like, to, yeah. passionate about so yeah for sure at some point we'll like make another full length and just see when the time comes and the people are like you know keen to like put down the hours because it <laughs> you know it takes a lot of work is it hard sometimes getting the riders to actually go and do the same trick over and over and over so you get the good one in the can that you know you want to keep well I try to get it first try <laughs> but but sometimes they crash yeah <laughs> the way the like the way that I like to work on like Aaron and Craig and stuff they like always point out is that we don't just like go down to the beach and like film whatever it's more like you make a list of the tricks you want to get for your part, like be ambitious. Like I don't mind sitting and filming for four hours to only get one trick as long as the person's like trying, you know? Yeah. So like make a list of tricks and how you want your part to be and like, what do you want to have? And then 
also it helps that I'm a rider and I know like what tricks look good from what angles and stuff and we'll just like work on that. When I filmed Aaron's uh, mo- like part in Australia, we're going down to the pond in uh, Safety Bay and we're like, okay, today what trick do you want to do? Oh, seat belt mode five. Okay, I'm going to shoot long lens from this. Okay, just go for that. If he rides for 10 minutes and he's like, ah, the wind's bad to the left, we'll shoot to the right. Okay, trying to remember the list. Oh, you wanted to get this, this, and that. Filming from the right angle, getting it right, bam, bam, gets it, tick, tick. Don't have to do this trick anymore at all ever again until we finish filming this movie. Like, I don't need two of the same trick. Yeah. And hopefully your list was ambitious enough that once you get it, you can't just do it again straight away because yeah. it, it has to be a, a real hard good trick, move. you know. Yeah. So it, it was always like kiteboarding is not something you can stage, but we try to like stage it, stage it as much as possible, and like get the right tricks from the right angles. And I guess the riders know what tricks they want to see on camera, right? So if you ask yeah. them to make the list, and then you just work with your knowledge in terms of filming it from the right angle and making it look good, then that's yeah. yeah. How you can the yeah the hardest thing to film is big air and the mega loops because it's just so unpredictable. Like oh maybe they have the wrong gust, the wrong wave. They're gonna pop earlier or li- it's just like as random as it could get. You're basically just recording the whole time and yeah waving the camera, the camera back and forth, and hoping that you nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And who was your favorite person to shoot out of the whole crew? Mm. tough question my le- next one's going to be who was your least favourite so <laughs> <laughs> no I can't say that uh, I mean every trip just had like you know different like stories behind but like I guess like working with Aaron and like really getting to like you know hang out and see what how he operates and like gets behind his like part and stuff that was like pretty cool more because of like who he is and like now it's like super casual right you're just yeah. like good friends and you're just like hanging yeah because you were pretty friendly with craig and colleen before anyway through the park stuff so, yeah so maybe aaron you hadn't hung out with as much until you did the movie or uh we did but i don't know it was just kind of like sick you know to like <laughs> work together and stuff but everyone just has their own things like it's i'm just lucky to like work with friends and like not have to like deal with like someone who's not a friend like not yeah. someone who's not cool or like yeah. boring to hang out or something or they're being like, a pain and yeah stress. i think everyone was like committed to like the idea and just keen to like be a part of a movie and yeah did you have any nightmares along the way like you know camera gear getting stolen mm. stuff getting drenched things breaking or did it all kind of go fairly smoothly what did oh we crashed obviously the drone a few times and that's expensive <laughs> yeah i think i don't know if the clips in the movie but like mm, craig's right knee smashed my drone just picture that yeah and there's like a clip of it and it was in Brazil and the, cr- the drone just spun out and like flew off and then just like recovered but yeah no not really camera gear survived and 
I think, well, I'm sure there's stories if we got someone here like Tom or Aaron or Craig or one of them would remember. But I remember filming with a like gimbal out of the window of Aaron's van in like Sea Point yeah. down like in Cape Town. And I was like, I don't know, filming like the street or like people or something. And this guy, we're driving pretty fast, but this guy just tried to grab the rig off my hands. No like, way. Just imagine being <laughs> on the side of the road and a car drives by and you try to like steal what the someone's cigarette or like, yeah, he's going so fast. It's never going to work. Like before you even get to grab anything in the car, the You're car's gone. already gone. So I, I was like filming and I didn't even see the guy and I just felt like the camera like being pushed away from me and I was just like what and then I looked and the guy was like kind of like running behind and I was like did this guy really like try to like steal it <laughs> gonna have to keep chasing no way. That, that was never gonna work but kind of crazy at the same yeah, time yeah I think yeah that was like a pretty funny <laughs> little story yeah I bet there's a few of those lurking around what yeah. was your um, what was your favorite trip to go on out of all of them? Mm. Well, most places I had already been to before. I think maybe like we did a, the trip to the Caribbean to yeah, Union okay. Island, and we were there for like a month, and then got to go on uh, the Caribbean kite cruise, like on that yacht. trip for like a week. That was pretty cool, but not so much for the kiting. The kiting was just like average light wind, nothing really going on. But like the whole like vibe of it, vibe like the island and just like I don't know, just being on your board shorts and swimming in like crystal clear water and just I don't know, foiling around and sailing with a cat and yeah, that was like pretty, pretty good experience. Yeah, yeah. I'd never been on like a fully like caribbean style trip so yeah that was pretty cool i guess often you end up just chasing the wind and so often people just go to the same sort of group of locations and yeah. you go there again and again and again and, it, and again and again it's, sometimes it's nice to just do something completely different yeah 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 and it's funny like like that area and those spots it's like insane how many people go there just just because you can kite in like such pretty locations although the quality of the kiting is not necessarily like that good you're just it's just pretty you know yeah it's not like good kiting yeah but just, i mean it, it's pretty sick to, like, yeah hike around. just cruising around yeah. looking about going this is beautiful yeah i think i think that was probably like one of my favorites and then also like for aaron's part and stefan's part and i guess tom a little bit i like went I went to Austria with Stefan for like a weekend just to like shoot some B-roll for his like storyline and went to the UK with like went to London with Aaron and like shot a little bit of like B-roll by the big band and fucking you know drinking cool stuff, tea like, and yeah. stuff and like making him look English <laughs> and yeah I think that was pretty cool too just to like get to some of the different do stuff. a little bit of different, yeah. different stuff yeah see people in their own habitat yeah and you're involved in this not future project with alexander james lewis hughes and you've just done an edit with you and out yeah. here which has been pretty good what's the idea behind that uh, we're not so sure yet <laughs> to be honest but it's just like it's 
it's like the whole idea or like the movement behind it is the fact that kiteboarding's gone so stale in like content wise if you want to say it like that like everyone's just doing their GoPro mount Megaloop video in Cape Town driving the buggy in Brazil there's like (laughs) no character no like personality nothing so it's a little bit just trying to like portray the culture that is hidden behind that like no one really like shows like in skating and snowboarding and surfing every sport has a culture and everyone just says that kiting doesn't have one but that's that's not true like we do have one and it's like our own right and no one really like focuses on that or like shows who the riders are and like who what do they do apart from just kiting and also just trying to like difference the good content and the good stuff from the bad stuff the bad writing from the good writing it just seems like now everything's just out there and people have nowhere to like see or like pick what's good or what's bad no one everybody just you know sends it out just yeah gives each other compliments for how good their stuff is even if it's not and like I don't know, like back in the day, we used to have kite scoop, you know, and you'd go in there and just have good wave riding and good park riding and good freestyle and good big air or foiling or whatever, but only like the good stuff, not everyone's stuff. So it's kind of like an idea to like, you know, work on projects and little videos and interviews and just like get behind the scenes. And obviously we're part of the riders, so it's like fairly easy to like, portray that yeah we'll see we'll we'll see where we take it it's it's just given what we're doing a name you know yeah like a brand and if people want to get behind it and ideally it just turned into like a place where people can go and find the best of the best maybe there's nothing to that comes out of there for like two months because nothing good comes out it's fine, you know, like... Yeah, we'll, you're not just going to churn content yeah, out exactly. for the sake of it or hit a weekly deadline where you're publishing exactly. something or it's, all the time. We don't, we don't have any investors to, like, you know... Keep happy. Yeah, or anything. Yeah. It's you just, just whatever. We'll do see. it as your own kind of project rather than a brand saying, hey, yeah, you yeah, this video yeah, by totally. this date, it's got to go out and you can just work on it. Yeah. What's your um, favourite thing to do, filming or kiting? Depends of what I'm doing. If I'm kiting, I want to go filming. And if I'm filming, I want... No, no. <laughs> uh, That's quite a tough paradox. You're never happy. <laughs> no, it, it just... It, like, balances out. Like, if I film... If I'm, like, working on, like, video stuff for, like, a few weeks or a few days straight, then I'm like, oh, like, I'm pretty excited to go for a kite session. And the same if you're, like, just kiting for, like, a month straight. I, Because I'm into so many other things, I miss them. And then I want to... Yeah, it gives you and that I, like, passion bored to want of to go. And then I want to go do something else. So it's, it's just a good balance. And the fact that I can just be in the same place and like do both, it's just perfect, really. Helps. So, yeah. Have you got any advice to anyone, you know, young kids who are thinking, oh, I'd like to get into filming and, you know, how do I go about doing it? Mm, 
I know it might sound like a little like cliche, but I've never really like thought, oh, I'm gonna do this because then I'm gonna be successful, or like I'm gonna do that because it's gonna like work out and I'm gonna get paid for it. It's just like I think if you truly do it because you like it and you're like genuine about what you're doing and you like don't do it for the money, then it somehow works. You know that. Yeah, that like passion transcends into like, like yeah. people can tell if you're. What reason you're doing it for, you know? So like, if you're making your movies or whatever, and like trying to like, have success in the, kite, industry, and that's why you're doing it because you want success, then, I mean, maybe it works out, but it's probably not because. You're just gonna be boring and stale, you know. But yeah, for me, I've just always done whatever I felt like doing, not what people have wanted me to do. Obviously, within certain restrictions, yeah, you know, because you can't just fully do whatever. Do you whatever want. you want. See if I went, on, if now I just grabbed and went on a three-month surf trip and came back, there'd be no one, <laughs> nowhere to come back to. <laughs> but. You know, yeah, you just gotta keep your like brands and sponsors happy and do your own thing and be different. I think that's probably like what's most important. Just do something different than everyone else, and then you're gonna be interesting and people are gonna wanna support you or like, yeah, you know, get involved. If you're just doing the same thing everybody else does, why would they wanna like, why would a brand wanna back you if? They already have people doing that, you know. You just have to be exclusive in a way, or make yourself think, stand yeah, out. I think that's that's what's most important. And these days, it's it's pretty hard with like what we were saying about the competitions and stuff. Not only everyone competing is competing; they're also just riding the same and doing the same tricks, apart from a handful of them. So for brands. It kind of it's kind of like almost pointless to just support someone who's just competing unless they're winning or doing super creative different stuff outside of like the comps. And same goes with everything. Like if you're creative and doing different stuff and just being yourself and different, then you'll probably be sweet. You'll end up with a good path and yeah. do it because you love it. Yeah, exactly. Rather Don't do it for else. the money. If you if you want money, you go play <laughs> tennis or something. Yeah, <laughs> go and kick a football around. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was good. I enjoyed that. Thank you yeah. very much for your time. Thank you for having me. There we have it. Episode eleven in the bag. I hope you enjoyed that one. Noah's an interesting character, and that brings an end to all of the episodes I recorded whilst I was in South Africa. I finally got them all online, so I'm pleased about that. I've got some really good episodes in the bank. I went to Hood River at the end of last year and spoke to some interesting people. And I think, as a little treat to myself and to you, I'm going to put probably the favourite my favourite podcast up as the next one that I release, um, which was with a guy called Rob Whittle. And he is a very interesting character indeed, and subsequently a little bit of a hero of mine. You might not have heard of him, but when that episode drops, be sure to check it out because it's pretty mind-blowing, some of the stuff that he's been up to. Anyway, 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. As ever, please give this a like on social media. Share it with your friends. Thanks a million for all the positive reviews you put up on Apple. That really helps. And just spread the word and get it out there. The more people that are listening to it, the more it encourages me to keep recording episodes. I haven't recorded any in a while because I've still got a backlog I'm working through. But I'm currently in France, so there's a good chance I'll send uh, get a few done whilst I'm out here with some of the characters that I'm meeting along the way. Anyway, it's almost springtime. We're into March, so fingers crossed the weather starts warming up and we can all get back in the ocean without quite as much rubber on over the next few weeks. Enjoy your week. I hope you have a good time. And I will be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening to me, Rue Chater, and the Intriguing Beings podcast.